Hello and welcome to the Mama Jack podcast. Today I have a very special guest. It's my husband. I'm going to be interviewing him and seeing how he felt through my postpartum depression, my depression, my mental breakdown, and what that meant for him as well. Because as we all know, it is not just us that are affected, it is everybody around us, including the people closest to us. Okay, everybody. So I'd like to introduce my husband. Say hi, babe. Hi, babe. He's being a very big diva right now. He had to do a stretch and take four sips of his latte before we started this interview, but we're going to get right into it. How long have we been together, Casey? In a few days, it'll be 12 years. How long of our relationship do you feel like I was depressed or anxious? I'd say close. Well, anxious, a little bit, most of it, but depressed really wasn't until pregnancy and, and postpartum. When it was real, when it was unmanageable, at least. Besides me not being able to take medication for it, like, was it during the pregnancy? Was it more during the postpartum? Was it more it, of Harlow? Like, when is the first time that you noticed the change? The first time was definitely on your with our with your first pregnancy with with Kennedy. I noticed a change. I was working a lot more too. Because you um, you were working a little bit, but then you ended up having to be on basically bed rest. You couldn't work anymore. And so you were alone a lot. You didn't have anyone. You'd have friends come over here and there. But family, you know, we were three and a half hours away from the closest family members. Well, I guess an hour away too. But they were far away. And then your parents lived on the other side of the country. And so you were alone a lot by yourself. And... You were going through it. You were going through whatever you were going through in your head and your in your mind and your body with your hormones and all that. After Kennedy was born, it was a massive change also because we were first-time parents. You were a first-time mother. This kid literally just came out of you, and we had really not much support uh, locally. And then with Harlow, especially when we moved back to uh to pittsburgh and just with kennedy being in early stages of his toddlerhood it was hard i was working a lot i was traveling a lot so you were you know your parents were working so you were alone in in pittsburgh with a kid and and pregnant again and so that was hard for you as well and i, I noticed a, a pretty big change in that i knew things were going to be a little bit different when harlow was uh when you were pregnant with harlow and then when Harlow came, then we did, you know, the huge move to Atlanta. And that's when I really noticed the change and that there might, we might need to do something about, about, uh, making you feel better. Okay. So starting with the pregnancy with Kennedy, you were gone a lot. You had this really long job in Mexico, right? And then you were working on a stage show in LA for the rest of it and you were working nights so I didn't see you so I know I felt very alone I felt you know I started feeling depressed um I had friends but they didn't understand they weren't pregnant or they already had kids it was like nobody had time for me not even my husband did you see any of that in me what did you notice in me 
that was the like a shift like emotionally did you see depression did you see anxiety um what was the part where you were like ah something might be happening because personally I don't feel like you truly 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 understood until I exploded to be fair and um I think you had ideas but I don't think you truly understood till I exploded. So can you say like, did you see anything because you were gone or did you see nothing? Like, what did that look like for you at that time? I saw that things were starting to change. Uh, like you said, I was away. I think it was in the beginning of your second trimester uh, in Mexico. I don't know if there's even a time difference, but the distance itself, I was working kind of normal, like throughout the whole day, I couldn't really reach out to you. The cell service was horrible. So I could only really reach out to you when I got back in cell area, which was rarely any, any time. So, I mean, I can't even imagine what you were going through on your second trimester, your first trimester. I was there for the most part, I feel like. And so I think we were just both excited about knowing that we had a baby on the way and we were trying to plan a life around that. And then I got, you know, I got that job offer and we agreed that I should take it. And so I took it. And then I came back to my, what was my normal summer show. And I had no say over when my hours were. And so I had, again, we had to, we agreed that it had to be what it had to be, but I knew that it was leaving you feeling alone and almost abandoned as a wife. And I, you know, you weren't getting the attention you needed. We were fighting a lot because I was irritable. I, you know, I was working nights, so I was sleeping in the morning and you had stuff to do. You had needs, you had appointments and, you know, we, we both made it work, but you didn't get the attention that you needed. And that really messed with your uh, anxiety about the future and your depression at the current state. How did it mess? Did it mess with you at all? It messed with me knowing that I, well, at least feeling like I couldn't give you my all. And what I always say this, it's like, if I could clone myself, I would, because then I could devote a hundred percent of me to, you know, bringing home the bacon. And then I could vote, devote the other hundred percent of me to being a, a full-time husband, a full-time father. And I could do all these things. But sometimes as a as a parent, especially as a first time parent, you feel like you're spread thin. And unless you have, you know, you know, the old saying, it takes a village, unless you have that village close by, you're going to have to figure a lot of things out on your own. And for us, with our family far away, and with me working weird times, you know, you were you were just alone the whole time, pretty much. And I, I, I you know, I felt horrible about that. And especially I didn't really realize that until until harlow and we had to move during the first pregnancy because of mold in our apartment that's right so that's i right. had to box everything up with oh, my yeah. friends like literally like almost nine like months a, pregnant nine months pregnant like a couple yeah. of weeks three i think it was three weeks before we just moved in in july kennedy was born july 21st yeah <laughs> we, yeah we left because of mold in our uh, encino apartment yeah so he was at work all or he would be at work all night, we'd sleeping during the day. And thank God, a couple of friends came over to help. But yeah, I basically the doctor's like, don't lift every anything heavy. But I had to move a whole apartment almost by myself. Mm -hmm. um, we did have movers, but you know, all the packing and stuff like that was 
pretty much all me, which was very interesting. Like, how did that make you feel? It made me feel horrible. (laughs) I mean, I think I even told you several times not to lift anything, not to put anything away, but I, I know you and that's why I married. Well, plus like I was almost nine months pregnant. That's when nesting kicks in. Mm -hmm. So I was literally taking my (laughs) nest and moving it to another area. So it was like insane for me. I could not. You did it though. I I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else, especially if at nine months pregnant, but yeah, I would come home every morning and there would be more boxes done. And I just like, damn, she did it again. But aside from me knowing that it was bad for you and me trying to tell you to do otherwise, you still did it. We got it done. We got moved into our new place and, um, and three weeks later and many hospital visits just prior, we, uh, we had Kennedy. Yeah. You had to get pulled out of work a couple times because I was having pain and I wonder, and I bet it was from moving into that apartment because I was up and moving and doing too much. Mm -hmm. I had a lot, I had excruciating pain. You were on bed rest. Your doctor was basically told you to medically not do anything. Yeah. And then I went and did a bunch (laughs) of shit, but it was like, I, I felt like towards the end, like the baby was trying to physically rip itself out of me, but I was not having contractions and my water didn't break. So we were in and out of the hospital. Was it two or three times before Kennedy came? Yeah. And it was like the three or four days leading up to it every day. The day before my water actually broke, they gave me morphine because the pain was so bad. And they were like, we can't keep doing that because then when your baby comes out, we're going to have to wean him off of it. And it was like, when I tell you, it felt like the devil was trying to rip out of my vagina. Like it was like the devil. I couldn't walk. I went to Target. I got to the back of the store and I started just crying because I didn't know how I was going to get the hell out of the store. Like I couldn't even lean on the buggy to like get myself out of the store. And this is all when Casey's sleeping you know because he has to go to work and he's not sleeping because he has to take me to the hospital he had to leave work and his work was really good with it at the time but then finally my water broke and the baby came and he had a short NICU stay so when he came out and I described this in another um podcast that I did but he had gurgling so that meant um fluid in his lungs so he had three or four day NICU stay was it three days four three days, days I think. and that makes a very anxious mother I am going to do an episode on NICU stays I have a friend that had babies in the NICU for over I believe it was over 150 days so we'll get into that exact topic in another episode but when you have a baby that's in the NICU it's like you're already paranoid about your newborn and then you add that onto it we had the outlet sock I did not sleep I don't know about you babe I was uh, he slept but i'm gonna be honest he slept but i was that like that outlet uh, was going off all the time freaking us out i was a hawk like any like i swear to god every five minutes i was like <gasps> like panicking waking myself up checking the baby like we had a bed in the room with the crib we had him in the crib but we had a bed in his room that we could sleep in and we were both kind of on it like a hawk i remember the first night we came home you had an absolute meltdown because he wouldn't sleep. You hadn't slept. And I was just like, get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. And I kicked you out and made you go sleep. 
which is very normal for new parents. Like people don't talk about that. They're like, oh, it's like you come home and they're there. No, it's fucking scary. You're like, oh my God, there's a new life in my house and it's my job to keep them alive. And they like don't know how to do anything. Nothing. 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 It's all on you. Okay, so back to you. With Kennedy, I had really bad postpartum depression. Plus, COVID started to happen. So, not only was I depressed, I feel like you were probably a little bit depressed too, no? Yes. I had a therapist, but I still needed help. Do you think you could have done anything more in that moment to help me the way that I needed? Or... Do you think you were kind of lost as well? Like, cause I definitely therapy wasn't helping me and I was refusing to get put on medication at this time because we were hoping to, you know, have another baby. And, you know, I was just trying to work out and do everything my way. So is there anything that you feel like you could have done different or anything you tried to do with that first bout of postpartum depression? Like, did you not understand what was going through your head when you saw your wife change so much? Definitely. Well, looking back, like they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. I mean, now that I know what I know, I would have changed a million things that I did. But at being where I was at at that time, as a first-time parent, as a first-time husband of someone going through postpartum depression, it was all so new, and I had no clue how to handle it. I had no clue what to expect on a daily basis. I didn't know what you needed. I didn't know how to give you what you wanted, even if you weren't telling me. I didn't really comprehend the magnitude of what was going on inside of you. Okay, so we could probably say you were feeling lost, right? Yes. Like, who is this person? What happened Mm -hmm. to my wife? Not so much what happened to my wife. I knew knew that postpartum depression was a real thing. I just didn't know. I mean, the You can listen to a million podcasts. You can read a million books. You know, you can do listen to all these things and outside outside sources. But until you really experience it firsthand, you're not going to know how to how you should handle it and how to handle it yourself. So I believe that my postpartum depression pretty much never ended for the past couple years, Mm -hmm. even through my pregnancy with Harlow. Mm -hmm. And you were away a lot for that. How did you feel being away from us for all that time, me and Kennedy? I felt horrible. I knew what I had to do. I mean, I was still working in L.A. I couldn't work in Atlanta yet. And there was hardly any work in Pittsburgh, especially since I didn't know anyone. So all my contacts were still in L.A. I had to do what I had to do. But there was several times where it would it would be you know, more financially better for me to stay in L.A. for an extra couple of days than for me to fly back just to have to fly back again so there was a lot of down days where i'd rather have just been with you guys been helping and i knew that you guys needed the help and it killed me to be that far away from you guys for so many months i was gone for there was a month i left four times and that was really hard because i'd come back and land and i'd want to be with my family and then i'd get another job offer back out there and i'd have to pack up and daddy leaves again and and mom's you know left alone again and so I mean, I felt horrible. Again, it was I, I at that point I knew what you needed, but I couldn't give it to you because I was literally twenty five hundred miles away, multiple times a month, and that really that really ate ate me up. 
That really sucked. Did you feel alienated from us? A little bit, yeah, because there was a lot of times where I didn't know what was going on at home. You know, I didn't know what was, I didn't know what Kennedy had gotten into. I didn't know what had happened with you, what people had said to you, or if people, if you had seen anyone, I didn't know what was going on because I was either on a flight or, or working and I work long hours. So I could only intakes as much as I could, you know, information as I could take at that time. And so, yeah, I'd be calling and checking up and everything would almost sound foreign to me. It was really exciting when I actually could set, you know, after I think it was last week of September or second week of September, I just stopped working. I said, I'm done going to LA, you know, Harlow's on her way. And so that was, that was nice to finally be like, okay, I'm done. I'm taking my own time off for this. And now I can be part of this family and and welcome our daughter in. There were so many times I was, I was so nervous. I'd be on a set. I was so nervous you were going to go into labor. I was constantly checking up flights out of LA. <laughs> I didn't I was, know that. Oh my gosh, especially when I was working with The Rock, I had I had I had flights lined up. Like next flight out, next flight out, next flight out. And I had I, all my all my guys knew and like if I got to go, I got to go. I'm out. <laughs> and so I was like I'll pick up my gear later. <laughs> and so yeah, but um I felt of course alienated, but um so you were anxious all the time, all the time. Especially if I get on a plane and the Wi-Fi was out and I'd be going to LA and I had no contact with you for four or five hours. I'd be like, I was so scared. I'd, I'd get service and it's from your mom, Jackie's in labor. And I had to fly right back and figure something out. I was, it was nerve wracking. It was, I was a mess. It was like, I couldn't, but I couldn't, I, I had, I had one, I could, I could have one speed, go, go, go. Like I couldn't stop. I had to keep earning as much as I could because I knew that we were going to have downtime. I knew we were moving. I knew what I had to do. But in the back of my head, I was like, this sucks. <laughs> it's like I'm away from my family. I'm thousands of miles away from them. I'm hours away from them. And I have no, con- I was basically out of control. Okay. So you came back from LA from a shoot. I swear to God, you said two weeks. It does not feel like it was two weeks. I feel like it was the next week I was in labor. Well, because you were in labor every day. Again, (laughs) we kept driving over the bumpy roads in Pittsburgh to get to get 45 minutes away. We went to the hospital. How many times? It was again. It was like it was like back in L.A. Yeah, I we. But at least I was at home with you in L.A. I had to drive from Studio City to Woodland Hills, pick you up in the middle of the night. And then drive to Santa Monica. At least here I was with you so we could just go. (laughs) So the day Harlow was born, I was having contractions every couple minutes. And I was like, this has to be contract. Like, because with Kennedy, it was very different. My water broke and then they had to kind of induce me because I wasn't contracting. So with Harlow, I was having contractions. So I go into the hospital, which was what, like in traffic, maybe Mm -hmm. an hour and 15 minutes. And I like thought I was going to have a baby in these like tunnels that are in Pittsburgh. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, I made a TikTok. We get there and my freaking contractions stopped. And I was like, you little shit inside of me. What are you doing? I was so pissed off. They're like, well, you can stay here and wait and maybe they'll pick up again or blah, blah, blah. So I was like, no, fuck it. 
I was like, we're leaving. So I made Casey drive me to Michael's. What were you thinking this whole time? You're probably just like, make the I, pregnant I was, woman happy. <laughs> I think I was starving. I was like, can we get like McDonald's? Like, I'm hungry too. I, I know I don't matter, matter right now, but I was like, let's just go to McDonald's, get this chick whatever she wants, get her to be artsy and fartsy, and then we'll hopefully be back tomorrow and have a kid. <laughs> so I, um, I go home and I'm trying to make these Halloween wreaths and they get stronger and stronger and I'm pissed because I'm like, I'm not going back to the city unless I know this baby's coming out. So long story short, the doctor's office that was closer went and saw me. He looked, he was like probably four centimeters. He felt he was like six centimeters get there right now. So went there, Harlow basically slip and slid right out of me. She was like one push. Half a push, and they told me to stop. I just started recording, and I got it. <laughs> and so he spent the first night at the hospital with us. Then he went home to Kennedy. That's my our firstborn to um, be with him for a night because he had been away for so long. And then Harlow came back, and that's when the madness started. And I don't know how much Casey realizes it affected me, but, like, he got food poisoning, like, day three she was home and then two weeks after my a relative came over and she had been out unmasked and Casey and my toddler came up positive for freaking COVID and I was like insane because I was pumping all the time like pumping every two hours three hours like you do at the beginning she i tried to latch her she gagged and barfed on me i was like i'm not even trying this again you guys heard i think about my if you haven't heard about my first journey i'll go back and listen i'm gonna make a podcast on breastfeeding and pumping too because that's very important for people to know about but yes so he was locked away with covid for what 10 days Mm -hmm. Couldn't leave a room. Now, how did that make you feel hearing your daughter crying, Kennedy crying? and you I was going nuts. I was like, I'm here. I'm literally in the house. I wear a mask, but I couldn't. It was still early, early-ish on. It was, you know, now things are different. Everyone's a million shots, but I couldn't help. I felt literally helpless. I was... One door away from being able to help my son, my wife, my daughter, and I was locked in a 10 by 12 room with three little meals a day. <laughs> it was like prison. And I was a, I was a prisoner in my own house. And my, meanwhile, my wife couldn't sleep. My daughter, you know, was being a crazy newborn and my son was doing his thing. I, I felt that was the most helpless I've ever felt. <laughs> Okay, so Harlow didn't sleep much the first eight months of her being here. So we both kind of were in it. Difference is mine was hormonal, but I swear you might have had a little bit of postpartum depression yourself after this one. It was pretty bad. We had moved. He didn't get work yet. How were you feeling at that time? I was feeling helpless and, and worthless, to be honest. You know, we had... We left Pittsburgh about a, about a month to the day after Harlow was born and we drove down. I had, you know, I had, I, everything was very specific with what we had to do. I drove down a first load. Uh, I had the movers come. We, I moved everything in and then I flew back up and then we all came down as a family. Now, meanwhile, Kennedy was not even, he was barely two. 
He was two and a, right. He was two and, couple, a half. two and a half maybe, and we had a newborn, a one month old, and we were drove from Pittsburgh to Atlanta, which ended up taking us almost sixteen hours of all the stops and pumping and diaper changes and all that. And again, I had one speed, go go go. I knew what we had to get done and and do it, but I was I was feeling especially when we got down here and we're like, okay, we're moved in. Now what? And I didn't know anyone down here. I didn't work for the first three months we lived here. And I was crumbling because of that. I felt like I couldn't provide for my family. I felt like my family wasn't getting the attention they needed because my mind was in a constant state of anxiety. And I was getting frustrated with Harlow because like you said it was like eight months she just wasn't sleeping and we were taking turns and we were getting angry at each other then Kennedy went through that little stint then of, Kennedy, not, of waking up in the middle of the night and we were just going at it I and mean, it was just not a good time for us and it was survival mode definitely survival mode like yeah. a time you look back on and you don't know how you did it I definitely don't know how I did it with what was going on in my head with everything I don't know how we got out of that and how we ended up here. <laughs> do, you th- do you think your depression had to do with the move or the not sleeping or like everything together? Because like at the beginning of Harlow, like I didn't feel as bad. I was I kept saying I felt like it had been lifted. Right. You know, I said that again and again. When we, were we in when we were in Pittsburgh or Atlanta? Here. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah. And but I was missing all the cues like I was missing my stuff. So when that start, stuff started coming up, how what were you thinking? Like when you heard I had a moment of rage, you saw my rage a lot. When I had my rage, when I had my moments of hurting myself, like what was going through your head at that time? I was completely lost. I didn't know I didn't know what the steps would be that wouldn't be an extreme step. Like I didn't know who to go to or who to talk to that would even want to hear that that could point me in the right direction. That would especially not throw judgment our way. Like we were both going through so much and I didn't I didn't know I didn't know who you were at that time. I mean it was a totally different bout of depression than with just Kennedy. I didn't know how to talk to you, how to deal with that, how to give you what you needed because I couldn't even prov- I couldn't even do what I signed up for. I couldn't even provide financially for my family. Nothing was just nothing was working out. I mean, we we were just at our wits end with what to do, with how to move forward into the life that we wanted, but it took us just such a long time to get there, but we had to have each other's backs. We had to I I remember the Christmas, like a couple of months after Harlow was born. And we just had a deep conversation out on the patio about what we're going to do. And you were just incredibly supportive. Um, and that kind of gave me the the lift that I needed to make my next moves. That was the worst depression I've seen for both of us. And I knew that, that we both needed to figure something out and that I needed to be as supportive as I could to you even if I couldn't understand how I had to, I had to figure it out. Okay. So months passed after the holidays, Mm -hmm. you started working again. I was pushing a lot aside. I had good days. I had bad days. I had a lot of bad moments. Then 
I ended up having my mental breakdown where I completely couldn't do anything mm -hmm. at all. So what was going through your head at that time? Well, there was kind of different stages, in my opinion, of your mental breakdown. There was the initial part of it, which was when Kennedy got the stomach bug and you had just kind of laid down to go to bed or to get ready to go to bed. And I put Kennedy down and he had just kind of puked everywhere all over his bed. And I, I freaked out a little bit, but I knew that, you know, I needed to change the, the sheets and all that stuff like super quickly and get him out of out of his bed put in so i did all that and i let you know and i kind of noticed a shift in your behavior when you didn't really care to help you still kind of stayed in your in the room i was like oh she definitely doesn't like want to deal with this like something is that kind of started something happening and then it kind of happened throughout the rest of the night where it kind of continued for kennedy and you were still kind of away and so I kind of just took charge and I mean, I hate dealing with that too, but I, I knew that you needed your time. So I kind of just took charge and, and made sure Kennedy was good and showered him. I think I showered him like three or four times that night. It was a lot. I, that's when I started noticing the shift. And then I think a day later, a couple of days later, I worked again and you just weren't present with the kids is what it sounded like. And you couldn't really be around them. I know it was tough for you when I was working, but I was working, I think I was working nights, wasn't I? And so it was just super rough for you because the mornings are fine, the afternoons, whatever. But then it's like as soon as bath time and, and dinner time comes around, it's, it's a shit show. And so I remember I called you on one of my lunch breaks and you were just, you were screaming at me like, how could you do this to me? How could you leave me here? And I felt helpless because I was literally, oh, what, an hour away on at work and I, I had a very specific thing that I had to do after lunch, like for me that we had rehearsed a bunch of times and I felt helpless. Cause I was like, what do you want me to leave? Like I'll leave, I'll find a replacement. And you just, I think we ended up just hanging up that right there. The rest of the night for me, I knew I, we were in for a change at home and we had to deal with it. However we had to deal with it. I needed to get home after work and I needed to be done with work, but I knew that kind of going forward that that was not that something was going to have to change. Were you expecting when my therapist and psychiatrist said that I shouldn't be around the kids? Was that something that you would have expected to happen after what you saw in the progression you saw me go through? I was a little relieved that they said that, but I was also mortified because that had a direct impact on what I could do then to, to do my part and, and try and provide for the family. So it's like every time I'd have to work, we'd have to get a babysitter. And it was just like, I mean, babysitter costs now with everything going through the roof with inflation and just life. I was taking that really hard. I knew that it, I knew why they said that. And I, and I respected that. And I wasn't mad at them for saying that. I, I, I understood. I was, not to be weird, I was a little scared for the kids too when, on that phone call. Like you, not that you would have done anything, but like just for you, that you wouldn't have been present, that you wouldn't have been able to meet their needs that day. And so it was a little shocking, but I wasn't, it didn't come as a surprise. I understood why. I didn't know 
how to help you. And that was my biggest thing is I wanted to help you in any way that I could. I wanted to be there for you. And I just didn't know how. I didn't know the extent of what was happening in your head. I knew the reason for everything. I just didn't know how bad it was. But I knew that I, I mean, you're my wife. You're my girl. I wanted to help you out. I wanted to make you not feel that way. What did you think the turning point for me after my mental breakdown was? Like, where did you see me starting to see the light a little bit? I think it was when I came back from Pensacola. I think when I had stayed home on, I think I stayed home for a job or so. And then I, we got help. So you were, you know, never alone. And then we flew your mom out here and I think that was a good start. I was a little nervous to leave. I didn't know how much help you were going to get. And it turned out you seemed like you got a lot of help and you were able to find, you know, a little bit of clarity and everything. Uh, but when I came back, I just, it felt different. It felt totally different than when I had left to go down there. And I think that was great. I think that's what you needed. I probably wasn't helping as well. I'm a stress ball. I'm, I work freelance. So if I don't have something lined up, I'm, I'm anxious about everything and I, and I bring that home and that's, you know, that's on me, but I think me being away and your mom being there and you having the help that you needed without external pressure or stresses or anxiety helped. I think that was a turning point or the start of it, at least. Have you ever considered trying to reduce your stress in all of this situation? Because as you talk, you were stressed out a lot. And this only, it not only happens to moms, but burnout happens to dads too. So would you ever consider doing anything? I know I help you as much as I can, but for yourself, what does a healing journey for you look like? Because it seems like you have a lot of stress on your plate. You, of course, feel what I feel with the kids, especially you've been home for a little bit right now. So what would a healing plan for you look like in your mind? Have you thought about that? Yeah, probably, you know, walking again or running or working out a little bit, eating a little better, just taking care of me. Like, you you, you know, basically along the lines of my body is a temple. I think it all starts there with treating myself better. Also talking to someone. I had a therapist for a while and she was great. I just then I would book an appointment and then I would get busy with work and then I would forget to book an appointment or then I'd book another appointment and I'd get busy or that something would happen within the time slot. And so, you know, with my schedule, it's so irregular, it's hard to keep a regular therapist, but I'd probably start by, you know, physically taking care of myself, food wise, taking care of myself. I've been reading a lot more, which I know I've still been a little stressed out, but I think reading is huge. I think setting yourself up every day to read a little bit will put your mind at ease and I think it's helped me a little bit okay so if you had to go back to the beginning to my first pregnancy with Kennedy all the way up through postpartum with that being pregnant with Harlow my postpartum with Harlow would you change anything that you did I would try to be more present and understanding and empathetic. Do you think you would now be able to recognize the signs a little better? 
Yes, but unfortunately, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we can't go back in time. So if something were to happen, because you know, I already have a place on an inpatient place on standby. That's kind of like part of my healing journey is to mm -hmm. have that like safe way. Mm -hmm. If it were to happen again, would you do anything different, or how would you handle that situation again? If it were to happen again right now, or if it were to happen like in the past, like it did. No, like right now, if it happened again, like in the next like couple months, let's say. If you had another mental breakdown, yeah, I would, I would just send you away with a friend for a weekend or a week or however long you needed, and just get away and get clarity. And then if you needed to, and then if you needed to, then go to that safe place. Then we, then we would talk about that. But I know that your your retreat helped you a lot, and it helped you get away from everything like you said in one of your other episodes i think is that you can't find peace in your most stressful environment like for me when i go to work if work is stressful then i get to come home or if home is stressful then i get to go to work i have that outlet you don't have that outlet as a stay-at-home mom most of the time you can go to the park or something but even then it's you're still with your kids you're still around that possible stressor and so you need to get away like, and that's totally fine to do. And I think I would support that early on. And now that I know that I feel like that worked a little bit, even if it just works a little bit, that's better than what it does without it. Okay. So I know you have a lot to say about this, but do you have any advice for the partners out there? Any signs to look for that you didn't notice? Anything that you would have done differently? Um, any advice for people out there? Like I said, not like somebody like me that's going through it, but somebody that's the helping the support to another person going through it. What would your advice be for them? You chose to be with this person, whether you're just with them or whether you're married to them. And especially if you're married to them, you made a vow, you know, through thick, through thick and thin in sickness and in health. And, it, and this is, this is a, a health and sickness thing. That's your partner. First and foremost, put your ego aside and chores got to get done, but they can wait. This is your, this is your partner. This is your friend that it needs help. If you see the signs, like they're shutting down or like they're feeling, they seem like they're outcasting themselves, then put down whatever you're doing and give them the time of day. Give, ask them how you can help. If there's anything you can help with. Just be present more. And I'm, I'm, I still break this rule a lot. I'm not going to lie, but be present more, be present, especially if you have already have a kid too. And this is happening on kid number two or three or four or so and so, so on and so forth. Just make time for your partner. You know, the kids need help. The kids need all that stuff. Give them something to do in the meantime and set aside time to be with your partner and really figure out what you can do to help them to maybe lift some of the burden from their shoulders and to give them the attention that they need as well as just to know that they're loved. So going through this myself, okay, a mental breakdown. I also went through it with um, a family member when I was very young. I just want to say that my husband did everything he could in the moments that he could. I don't know if there could have been anything done different because to be honest with you, when you're going through something like that, you can be sneaky and you can hide stuff and you say everything's okay. So I wasn't sharing as much. 
there were definite warning signs. But like he said before, how do you know what to do with that? And who's the right person to talk to about that? I was talking to a therapist. They were helping me. So what more could he have done? You know, I mean, he can't take off work. He can't just stop and take the kids over. We can't just give the kids to somebody else. You know what I mean? So for me and all of this, I don't know if he could have done anything more than he did, to be honest. I think that it was kind of just a building volcano. And I you know, just finally erupted out of nowhere. I knew it was coming. I felt, like I said, I felt the rage inside me. I didn't think it would go into me totally shutting down, but I, I knew it was coming and I didn't get help for myself. So I think the most important part in this is for me to say is to ask your partner if they need help beyond you. Ask your partner what you can do to um, help them find that, even do a little research for them. Just talk to them as much as possible and make sure they're giving you the honest truth and make sure you can make them feel comfortable with telling you the honest truth. You wanted to say a little more, babe. Yeah. I mean, as a partner, you're going to feel a lot of, and if, if you're, if your spouse or your you know partner is going through this, there is going to be a whole lot of uncertainty you're going to feel like things are out of control which most of the time they are and i'm a little bit of a control freak so when things are completely out of my control i i don't know what to do anymore it's going to hit you you know dead on you're going to want what's best for your partner but they're not always going to give you like like jackie said like they're not always going to give you the full truth they're not always going to give you rational thinking so when you try to give them you know suggestions or anything that might just get totally swept under the rug. So just be understanding and just try and it's going to, it's going to be hard if they're not giving you everything, you kind of got to pull things out of thin air, but just keep trying. Like I said, in the beginning of this, that's, you know, that's your partner. That's your, that's your spouse. If it's your spouse, it's like you made a vow. It's like, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. That's your friend. That's your, that's your lover. That's your friend. You gotta do what's best for them. Okay, well, I want to thank my husband for being a part of this episode with me. So thank you, babe. Of course. And I just wanted to put it out there. If you have a spouse going through postpartum depression, any kind of depression, mental breakdowns, anxiety, not only is it good for them to get help, but I suggest you get help yourself. It's a lot to go through for somebody as a partner. It can be very, very stressful and you can take on a lot of their stress. A lot of times they say things that they don't necessarily mean. It can be changing your relationship and it's almost like a disease. For instance, I, you know, told Casey several times during this, I'm just going to take the kids and leave. Now, would I ever do that? Absolutely not. But my sickness was putting me in fight or flight. Okay. So I suggest for partners that you get help too. You need help. How do I deal with somebody like this? And I don't mean to say that as a negative way, but that is the honest to God truth. Like it's a lot to deal with. I was a lot to deal with a long, for a long, long time, a long, long time. And I'm finally coming out of it, but I still have my days. So it's an ever going process, you know, and there are more good days than bad, but 
I just urge you to be very understanding. And like I said, you try to get some help too, because anything you can look up on the internet, anything like that, it's not going to help your exact situation. You can get some tips and tricks. You can, you know, read about it a little bit, but do your research on it as well to see if that is exactly what's going on. With that, I want to thank you for listening to the Mama Jack podcast. Please subscribe, donate if you must. I would love that. And I will speak to you in the next episode.